Welcome back everyone. We're going to start on Unit 3 Advanced Fishing. This is a outline of Unit 3. We'll go through the normal fish, then we'll talk about tackle, technique, finding fish, and we'll wrap it up with safety. Since part of this unit was supposed to be at Dunmeadow, we'll have to make some accommodations, uh, some video demonstrations, hopefully that will cover the things that we'll, we would have missed at Dunmeadow. So anyway, let's go ahead and jump into uh, fish anatomy. Fish are nearsighted. They don't see all that well. And if you look at the diagram right here, you can see that they only have binocular vision in about 30 degrees right up here directly in front of them. Otherwise, on both sides, they have monocular vision. Now, that vision is, is quite wide. Uh, overall, they have uh, 330 degrees of vision, so they're rather difficult to sneak up on. They don't see directly behind them, so that is their, their, their blind side. Um, their monocular vision on the sides is not terribly acute. They're going to pick up on shapes, shadows, and movement. They also have a little bonus going for them due to refraction. If a fish is in the water at this depth, they get about a 10 degree boost out of refraction from looking up under the water through the surface and if you're over here fishing yeah they definitely have spotted you long before you have spotted them so this kind of plays into the uh, the concept we talked about earlier where fishing is a bit of a misnomer it Technically, should be called fish hunting, uh, where you can practice stealthy techniques. Hunters wear camouflage clothing. Fish, maybe fishermen should wear camouflage clothing. <clears throat> I actually made fun of this uh, years ago. Um, you know, just kind of spouted off about how there's going to be an entire line of of fish camo and and how you can blend in with the natural environment and so on and so forth and yeah marketers did come up with fish camo it's particularly prevalent in uh, saltwater uh, flats fishing down in florida uh, the keys uh, that area we don't see it so much in uh, 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 inland warm water fishing but yeah it's 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 out there Fish, <clears throat> fish see only really primary colors uh, and grays and shades of grays. Whenever you go into the uh, sporting goods store and buy the, the, the lures, the color of the lure that you see is not necessarily the color that the fish is going to see. A lot of lures are colored to match natural prey. Others are colored to be simply an attractor. If you can p 
piss the fish off enough, um, it's going to attack. If you're fishing very, very deep, the color that you see is definitely not the color the fish sees because the deeper you go into the water column, the, um, the more the colors change. By the time you hit 100 feet, everything is basically kind of a, a, a bluish gray. Let's talk about uh, some different species uh, that we have in, in Indiana. One of the, the biggest species uh, we have uh, as far as physical size is the, the pikes. These are warm water fish. These are most definitely predators. And they prefer cooler waters. Remember, they're warm water fish, but they prefer cooler waters. The uh, first one would be the Great Northern Pike. If you've ever had the pleasure of catching one of these things, you know that it is quite a thrill. We find uh, Northern Pike primarily in Northern Indiana, uh, especially the natural lakes up there, and also the uh, Tippecanoe River. I have never fished for pike in Indiana. I have caught them elsewhere. Uh, they are a thrill. Ideal water temperature, 60 to 70 degrees, world record 55 pounds uh, set in, in Germany. Uh, pike fishing is really, really big in Europe. Its big brother, the musky lunge, is called the fish of 10,000 cast. You don't catch these things like you do bluegill. You know, if I don't get a bluegill every two or three casts, yeah, this isn't a very good spot, and I'll probably move. Uh, these guys, you can literally spend three days and not catch a single thing, and then the fourth day, hook into one. Uh, they're, they're fabulous fish, very, very large. Uh, 69 pounds, uh, okay, 70 pounds in, in Germany. Uh, we're talking 36, 48 inches. Uh, even longer in, in, in length. There's, there's quite a, a movement afoot in the U.S. to preserve these fish. They do grow to be quite old, and usually you would find the really big ones on doctors' and lawyers' walls uh, hanging as a mount. There's been a push to practice catch and release with these species more and in fact there's there's an entire system developed uh, with special catch and release nets that you bring the fish alongside your boat you put them in this very elongated net keep them in the water remove the hook grab a couple photos and release them. These are fish that will fight to absolute exhaustion. And if they're too exhausted, they, they literally will die uh, from fighting. And so the idea is to uh, land them quickly, purposefully, and release them unharmed. You'll see the uh, grip and grin photos of the guy Standing there with his pike, he's got his hands up and under the gill plates, and the fish is vertical right beside them. Absolutely the most harmful way that you can handle one of these fish. These fish are horizontal. 
they're not designed to go vertical. And when you put them vertical, the weight of all those organs internally just just crushes things. And many of them don't survive the, um, the, 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 the catch and the release. So there, there's an entire protocol that is, uh, has been developed. In fact, I have some uh, videos in Unit 3 uh, that talks about handling uh, muskie. Um, <clears throat> big fish, big lures, you can catch them on spin tackle. Uh, this is where the bait casting reels most definitely come in. Also fly fishermen. You can tie various types of flies for muskie, and I've heard that it's an absolute hoot to get a, a muskie on a fly rod. Near Bloomington, um, we have some uh, strip pits over in near near Columbus, near uh, Edinburgh, um, that have stocked muskies. So that might be in your future. Okay, let's talk about salmonoids. Uh, probably one of my favorite fish. Uh, we these are both saltwater and freshwater species. We'll concentrate on the uh, the, the, the freshwater uh, aspects of these cold water fish. Yay, we finally get to cold water fish after me uh, uh, berating you the entire semester about the difference between warm water and cold water. Okay, here we go. Cold water. Most definitely predators. Some unique things about them. Unlike the other fish, they cannot tolerate water temperatures above about 72 degrees. We've, we've talked about this at length. Uh, they require very rich oxygen levels. They don't, do not do well in low O2 waters. And they have that anapost fin right up here. We t when we were discussing catfish, we talked about the anapost fin and we talked about the purpose of the anapost fin. We don't know the purpose of the anapost fin. It's there. Sometimes you will catch, uh, this is a rainbow trout, uh, sometimes you will catch a rainbow trout and they will not have an anapost fin. That's not a mutation, that's probably a tagged fish. Sometimes whenever they read, uh, do a stocking program, the biologist will, will clip off the anapost fin as a marker and so that whenever they uh, do surveys and they, they find these fish, they can tell the stocked fish from perhaps wild hatched fish. The wild hatched fish are going to have the anapost fin where the stocked fish will not. Uh, this is rainbow trout. I would like to see a show of hands of those who agree that this is the best tasting fish in the world. Yeah, yeah, I agree there too. Um, ideal water temperature, 55 to uh, 70 degrees. Above 72, 74 degrees, they really, really get stressed. Nearby, we have the Brick, uh, Brookville Reservoir in eastern Indiana. 
and the Brookville River that is that drains the tailwater of the reservoir uh, is stocked with rainbow trout and I believe also brown trout. Two years ago there was a bulletin put out by the DNR that asked people not to fish for trout in the Brookville River because of high water temperatures. The water temperatures were about 71, 72, some places up to 74 degrees, and they, they asked fishermen, just just don't, please stop fishing. The fish still need to eat, and if you offer them something that they uh, hook up on, they're going to get stressed through the catch and subsequent release process and uh, mortality rates really, really increase the higher the water temperature is. And so most fishermen uh, either either caught fish to uh, consume themselves or they just didn't fish to avoid the stress on the fish. Not terribly big fish. Uh, eight inches is the average size. You can go out and get, um, you know, half a dozen of these and have just an absolute fine meal. This is what my uh, my uncle up in uh, western Pennsylvania, the Allegheny Mountains, and I uh, used to, to, to go after uh, quite often. He was a, a, a fabulous trout fisherman. Uh, favorite food? Um, minnows crayfish insects very heavy on the insects they're, they actually behave very much like like bluegill you know they're, they're not going to go go chase a a four inch uh bluegill or shad you know like a largemouth bass will they they go for the the smaller insect uh the smaller forage food particularly uh, insects uh fly fishermen will get into just all kinds of elaborate fly tying uh, patterns to to mimic naturals in the environment, and just a fabulous all around fish. Very very beautiful. Its big brother, the Chinook salmon, is. Yeah, we have salmon in Indiana. Who would have thunk that? This is a a, a long conversation uh, whenever it boils down to fishery uh, management. We had an awful problem in the Great Lakes years ago, back in the 50s and 60s. We had uh, an invader called a sea lamprey and uh, also the alewife uh, uh, um, minnow. These got into the Great Lakes and they totally disrupted the sport fishing uh, species, uh, particularly the, uh, the lake trout up in, in, in Lake uh, Michigan, Superior, uh, well, all of the Great Lakes. The sea lamprey would hook on well we're going to talk more about this in, in the evasive species uh, so l let's just say that there there was a huge problem uh, with these guys and they decided that they had to introduce a new predator species into the great lakes uh, just very similar to the way they introduced the uh, hybrid striped bass into lake monroe so they introduced salmon uh, 
very very unique they took some species of salmon from the pacific west uh, from the pacific coast and some species from the atlantic coast and they put them in very specific spots throughout the great lakes and so you have these different strains of chinook salmon in between Lake Superior and Lake Erie. And if you're a real die-hard, dedicated salmon fisherman of the Great Lakes, you literally can be fishing a spawn pretty much year-round because these different strains of fish spawn at different times. We have uh, a, a strain that spawn in uh, f January and February in Indiana up near St. Joe uh, St. Joe River uh in in through there it's we don't have very much of a coastline uh, in the Great Lakes but we do have some Indiana dunes is absolutely gorgeous if you haven't been up there I highly recommend it my wife and I were there uh this past summer and thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it